We are going to have a reading in a few minutes. Um, just thought it would be helpful to um, integrate it into the sermon a bit today. So don't fret that we're going to be Bible-less or something. Um, most of you know that I'm Martin. I'm the vicar of this place. Many of you may or may not know that actually it's been six years this month. Um, and counting. Uh, and I've, I've largely forgotten what it was like to be new here. And besides, my face was on the monitors before we even arrived, so most people knew who I was even before we set foot in the place. So I suppose it's a bit like when the Queen comes to visit. Everyone knows who she is, but she doesn't know anybody. Um, But that's as far as my memory goes. I don't think I was treated like the Queen, though, somehow. Um, But I wonder, have you ever been in a crowd and yet felt all alone? I certainly have. Have you ever turned up at the school gate and felt like a a pariah, an outsider, an interloper? Uh, I have. Uh, especially when I don't collect my child very often from school. Uh, Every now and then I look around and wonder if others think I'm in the wrong place uh, or if perhaps they think I'm somebody they ought to be afraid of. Have you ever been somewhere new Uh, and it seems everyone else knows how things work and knows each other and yet you don't have a clue? If not, then try going to a church with a completely different way of expressing faith or go to a betting shop and place a bet. Uh, Unless, of course, you do that already or have done in the past. Um... Have you ever moved to a new town or a new place and known absolutely no one? How did it feel? For me, I'd say a scary adventure. What if you were the only one of your skin colour, of your faith in that new community? How would you feel then? Being the new one, the odd one out, the one with no mates, is a hard place to be. And yet what happened to the early church? We're told in Acts 2 that God added daily to their number. But I wonder, was it actually quite easy then to join this new movement? I think so, since that verse from Acts 2 comes at the, just after the end of the day of Pentecost, when the church had grown from 120 in a prayer meeting to 3,000 were added to their number in that one day. In other words, almost everybody else knew what it was like to be new. Because they'd been new themselves only days or weeks before. And those that were not new had already had plenty of practice at welcoming and integrating new people. So Acts 2.47, God added daily to their number. It's a bit like joining a year seven group, so the youngest group at secondary school, kind of partway through September. Everyone else is fairly new, there's some friendships from before, but not many, and people are not yet wedded to their little network of friends. So we need to search somewhere else for Bible help in welcoming strangers into the midst. In fact, Jesus talked about it, and Barnabas lived it out. So Jesus talked about it at Matthew 25, 40, whatever you do for others, you do for me. Sandra's already used that passage as the basis of her prayers. But we're going to hear that passage now. We pick up partway through with a description from Jesus about how Judgment Day will separate people who have acted rightly and those that haven't. And the first words are said to the right-acting ones. And Jim's going to read that for us just now. The reading comes from Matthew, chapter 25, verses 40 to 46. The king will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. 
Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not look after me. They also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry, or thirsty, or a stranger, or needing clothes, or sick, or in prison, and did not help you? He will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. Thanks, Jim. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. The reference to inviting in is probably to the practice of offering overnight accommodation and food to travelling strangers who arrive at the village square and are either welcomed or not. But we can take it as a wider meaning, a wider meaning to it as, and you did not invite me into your friendship group. You did not invite me in to share your life. You did not invite me into your house. But looking for a moment at that wider passage, Jesus calls us to be people who feed the hungry, who give water to the thirsty, who build friendship with the stranger, who clothe those in need, those who need new clothes, and look after the ill and those in prison. Six things. I wonder how well, as individuals, we're doing at that. Equally, how well, how well are we as a church corporate, if you like, as a one entity, doing that? Are we blessing this community in these ways? These ways which are, in Jesus' view, what defines the difference between those that will spend eternity with him and those that won't. It's how we act in these six areas. Let's repeat them. Jesus calls us to be people who feed the hungry, who give water to the thirsty, who build friendship with the stranger, who clothe those who need new clothes, who look after the ill and look after those in prison. Is there then a call for us to be more, how should we say it, hospitable, developers of community, both as individuals and as a community of faith towards those that are new, to those who are currently strangers in our midst? Even Peter felt it was necessary to comment on hospitality. He said this, Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others. It's easy to grumble. Especially when the people we're being hospitable to may never, ever invite you back. But that's like greeting those who greet you. And Jesus got a bit cross about that, didn't he? He said at Matthew 5, 46, If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing? More than others. Do not even pagans do that. So how about it? Could you, could you be more hospitable even to those already sitting in this building today? Is there someone you look at here and can't quite dare admit that you don't know their name or much anything about them? Could you invite them over to spend time with you? 
But then let's widen the conversation. How about your neighbours? How about your work colleagues? How about your fellow school gay adults or nursery contacts? What could you do to build friendship and community amongst those people groups you already spend time with? What about those you're in a relationship with but you don't spend time with? Could you invest time in those relationships? Is there something that God is calling us as a church to do? For me, I am really conscious of impending doom today. No, it's not about Brexit and judges and the place of Parliament. No, my concern is not so much about the leader of the free world, although God help us, whoever that is. It's actually more about what's happening tomorrow. Tomorrow, this government will cap benefits even more than they have done so far. The new benefit cap moves from £500 a week for a family living outside of London, the maximum they can receive to cover rent, utilities, food, transport, clothes, etc. £500 a week down to £384.62. That is 23% less. But costs have not absolutely, have not suddenly gone down. I don't know anyone on benefits who manages to save. Certainly not over £100 a week. So the risks of eviction, of stress over debt, of child hunger, of not being able to afford heating are very real. Friends, for years, we've had a compact as the people with the government that we pay our taxes in order that there is a safety net for the most vulnerable in our society. That safety net over recent years has been eroded. Hence the need for food banks. We're moving with this benefit cap from a needs-based approach where we used to say you need this much per child, you're in this kind of housing, therefore you need this much housing rent, and so we pay this rent support. Yes, there's been incentives if you've been in oversized housing, but now we're just saying, oh, I'm really sorry, we're not going to give you so much. I struggle with that. By the Christmas holidays, when school meals stop, it could be really quite difficult for many families. Could we, as a community of faith, do something to at least keep people fed? Could we offer lunch on a daily basis to anyone who needs it? Remember, Jesus calls us to be people who feed the hungry, who give water to the thirsty, who build friendship with the stranger, who clothe those who need new clothes, look after the ill and those in prison. That's the impending doom that hits me today. Now, I mentioned Barnabas earlier and how he lived out this this welcoming thing. Remember, it was him who found this newfound convert, Paul, and brought him into the group of the apostles. Acts 9 tells the story, and Jim's going to read us that um, as well. The, the, the first verse, when he came to Jerusalem, that's Paul. So just need to know that as a code for how it worked for Paul. Jim. When he, Paul, came to Jerusalem... He tried to join the disciples, 
but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. He talked and debated with the Hellenistic Jews, but they tried to kill him. When the believers learned of this, they took him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. Then the church throughout Judea, Galilee and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened. Living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit, it increased in numbers. This is the word of the Lord. So I wonder whether that time of peace and the increase in numbers involved in the church came about because Barnabas did what was right in bringing Paul Saul to a place of being accepted. Notice how that that, that reading started. They were all afraid of Paul, not believing that he was really a disciple, but Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord, and so on and so on. We will never know whether those two things are linked, because we can't replay history, even with slightly different conditions. But it's never right to exclude the stranger from fellowship. I wonder if we need to recover something of that concept of sponsors, someone who will advocate, who will argue on behalf of someone else, having heard their story, and so bring them into the fold on that basis of any friend of yours is a friend of mine too. You remember being somewhere new. So welcome those who are now new. You remember what it feels like to be invited to someone's house for food and to build relationship with them. So do that for someone else and soon Go home and make a plan and act on it today. Could you build community cohesion in some way, even this week? You hear the biblical call as to how we act. How can you live that out more in your life? So the next time you see someone on the outside looking in, either at church or at school or in the workplace or the school gate or on the street, think to yourself, Whatever I do for this person, I do for Jesus. That's how he phrased it. Whatever you did for the least of these, you do for me, said Jesus. Let's take a moment to ask God who in particular he wants you to reach out to. And what in particular he wants you to do today. Let's be quiet. Father, forgive our indifference to the needs of this world. 
God, it seems so overwhelming. Just to imagine even the faces behind those 6.8 million refugees emerging out of Syria. And yet, Lord, we recognize that in this country, all is not right either. Father, we ask again for wisdom for those that govern. But Father, that doesn't excuse us from acting. Give us courage, Lord, to know what you're calling us to. How you want us to be people who feed the hungry, to give water to the thirsty, to build friendship with the stranger clothe those who need new clothes and look after the ill and those in prison. Forgive us when we wring our hands in despair and yet do nothing. Challenge us, Lord. Renew a right spirit in us, we ask. spirit in us we ask Holy Spirit of the living God renew your presence in us change us challenge us reveal your glory See, we pray.